football. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, football is back. We are here. We got through week zero in college football, and now week one was just this past weekend. I'm gonna make a state. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a hot take really quick, which this is what this is all about. Quick hot take. Labor Day and just the Labor Day weekend in general might be my favorite holiday. I'm going to be honest with you. You never really think about it. I mean, you're celebrating labor, I guess. You know, there's not really anything tied around it, except for the fact that it's essentially the start of football season. So Labor Day might be up there in terms of uh, holidays that I enjoy the most just because football season is starting. And you get a three-day weekend to pair with that. And mainly college football uh, college football season. I'm a big college football fan, as you all can probably tell. Um, and Labor Day is essentially the beginning of, of everything in college football. So that Labor Day weekend, you get three days of just college football action. It's so nice. Oh, man. It's like Thanksgiving for NFL fans, I think. I, I think it's up there with, uh, with Thanksgiving for NFL fans. Um, welcome to the show. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, how are you? I hope you guys are all doing well. Uh, this is the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast. I'm your host, James Timberlake. Uh, we're going to talk some football. We're going to talk a lot of college football today. I don't think we're going to get to really anything else, to be honest with you. There's going to be a lot of college football. Um, and uh, please remember to rate the show, if you don't mind, uh, on any of those podcasting podcasting platforms that you can listen to uh, this podcast on. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you want to listen to this podcast, you can listen to it. On any of those platforms and uh, and even more that I can't even think of off the top of my head, but there are plenty of podcasting platforms that you can listen to this uh, show on. So I greatly appreciate you guys listening and we're into football season now. This is the busy season. Uh, we're going to start talking a lot of football basically week in, week out and until unless we get some big stories out of other uh, other you know other sports or anything like that, it's going to be heavy football. We're going to be talking a lot of football and honestly... Uh, I don't know if I would have it any other way uh, to start off the show today. Let's just let's get let's get a little intro going. We're going to get the blood flowing a little bit. Uh, we're going to do with our we're going to start with our September holidays, September 5th holidays. Uh, obviously, Labor Day on Monday. That was fantastic. Again, fantastic holiday for a reason that I don't really understand. Labor Day has just become the football holiday for college football. That's cool. I'm okay with that. Labor Day just turning into that's what it just be called. Labor Day should just change the name to college football holiday or whatever college football day there you go and then you get three days off that'd be great i mean that's basically the same thing um but for the holidays as of today september 5th that's when this is being recorded and when being when it's being put out uh september 5th is international day of charity so feel free to be charitable because it is in international day of charity also and more importantly i'll be honest with you not really that was not not actually more honestly but and not more importantly but National Cheese Pizza Day is also today, so maybe get yourself a nice little cheese pizza, a nice little pizza pie. I'm not a huge cheese pizza guy, to be honest with you. I like, you know, I don't think cheese can be the focal point of a pizza and the pizza be really good. You know what I mean? Pizza's got to have other stuff on it in order for it to be like exceptionally good pizza. I don't think you can have an exceptionally good cheese pizza, but I could be wrong about that, you know. Feel free to 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 hit me up in the in the comments on sharedmedia.com or wherever you're listening to this, whatever. The reviews tell me about cheese pizza. I hey, you know what? I've never had an exceptionally good where I've had a cheese pizza where I was like, whoa, this is my life has changed. And I've had plenty of pizza pizzas that have changed my life and they just weren't cheese pizza. But, you know, yeah, to each their own. I, I'm sure a six cheese pizza really gets people going, you know, and that's understandable. I just I think there are better options for uh for just pizza other than just the cheese pizza. But I understand that people like the cheese pizza. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's why it's National Cheese Pizza Day. That's why we have it. Uh, it's also National Telephone Tuesday. I don't know if that's specifically like rotary telephone or like a handheld telephone, you know, like with the wire and everything, or does it also count as a cell phone i don't know how this works terminology you know it's just a day who cares uh september 5th also and probably i mean for a lot of us the best day of all uh the best holiday of all in terms of you know these arbitrary holidays that we make up for some reason um national be late for something day (laughs) that's uh I mean, basically every day you know uh but that was today so you could have made that excuse if you're going into work and said hey National be late for something day or, you know, whatever it's be late for something day, not necessarily work. So whatever it is, you can just be late and say, Hey, well, I will, I was celebrating a holiday. So sorry, sir, ma'am. Uh, but, uh, I was late and I apologize for that, but those were the days. That's what we got going on today. Um, I hope you all celebrate, uh, uh exceptionally well and 
have a, good, a big blowout party for cheese pizza day for being late to something day, you know, the whole shebang. Um, and yeah, congratulations to all those holidays, I guess. I don't know why I say congrats, but congratulations. Uh, all right, let's talk some football. Got the blood flowing. Let's talk some football. How about them Cowboys, huh? And not the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Wyoming Cowboys, huh? Wow. I, you know what? They pull off the massive upset. Um, big time upset. They, I, I did not think they were going to be able to pull it off. It where they got down 17 to nothing pretty early on. Uh, the running backs or the pokes could not hold on to the football. They had, what was it? Two back-to-back fumbles essentially, uh, that were recovered by Texas tech. And I thought that was it. I thought the game was over. I was like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be bad. Uh, this is going to be a blowout, but the, the Cowboys, they just, they bent and they did not break. And it was a very good showing by the Cowboys. I was very impressed. Uh, I think I made, I can't remember if it was here that I made a prediction or if it was somewhere else, like the halftime show that I do for the Bronx games. It was somewhere like that, uh, where I made a prediction that I thought they were going to go, was it five and seven or something like that? Um, and a lot of it kind of counted on one, them not winning any of their non-conference games. I don't, I, I thought I didn't think they were going to win Texas tech game. I didn't think they were going to beat Appalachian state and I didn't think they were going to beat Texas. Um, but they beat Texas tech and now all chips are off the table. I still don't think they're going to be Texas. I think they're going to be pretty heavy underdogs in that game, obviously. And I don't think they're going to be able to travel down to Austin and beat the Longhorns, but I'm much more intrigued now. I mean, it's not like, you know, this game wasn't against Texas tech. This game wasn't, it, it wasn't like the, Cowboys and I'm not trying to diminish anything they did obviously it was a fantastic game they played very well for the most part uh, outside of I would say the first minute and a half or not minute and a half first quarter and a half of that game uh, I think they played pretty well but Texas Tech was still better than the Cowboys in a lot of statistical categories offensive EPA they led and they had more yards overall than the Cowboys um, and you know there were areas I mean more passing yards overall uh, Cowboys beat them in rushing yards, but that was kind of expected in my opinion, just because Texas tech is a lot more of an air it out type of team. They don't really run the ball all that often. And also the, the fumbles that for the, uh, for the Cowboys that were ended up being turnovers were actually like pretty much negated. I would say in terms of EPA uh, by the field goal unit that uh, Texas tech was running out there. I think they missed three field goal attempts. So that's nine points just to race off the board, essentially a touchdown and a safety, a touchdown, extra point and a safety, essentially uh, just erased off the board. They would have won that game if they even made two of those field goals. Um, so, you know, the, the turnovers ended up just being erased essentially by the bad uh, kicking effort from the Texas tech uh, special teams unit. So, and again, for the most part, Texas tech was still in pretty much command of this game. Um, outside of the rush, the, the running game, uh, the Cowboys were better running the football than Texas tech was. But again, you're talking about 10, uh, 10 play difference in terms of rushes. Uh, the Cowboys had 40 and Texas tech had 30 versus, uh, the passing game where Texas tech had 50 passes through the air. And then, uh, the Cowboys had 36 passes through the air. So uh, a little bit of a difference in a pretty steep drop off there, but still, uh, the Cowboys led, uh, beat out Texas tech in terms of EPA on their passing game, EPA per play and just overall EPA in that game. EPA, by the way, is expected points, um, expected points added is the official term. Um, and for the most part, I was very impressed. I, and I, again, 17, nothing, you're, you're 17, nothing down after how, how, how many, how long was it before they were 17, nothing? It was, I mean, it was pretty quickly. They were 17, nothing down half or four minutes left in the fourth quarter. So our fourth quarter, first quarter, excuse me, um, 17, nothing down four minutes left in the first quarter. I mean, at that point I was like, okay, this is it. And, and, and even at this point, like if Texas tech, instead of going for a, getting a field goal with four minutes left, um, they get a touchdown on that drive. It's 21, nothing. Then we could be looking at a different scenario, but again, Wyoming, they just didn't, they bent, they did not break. They played very good defense down the end of the, towards the end of the game. Uh, it felt like that uh, air raid offense really could not get anything going. Tyler Shuck did not play. I mean, he was pretty good. Um, he didn't play as well as I thought he was going to play against this, against this Wyoming defense, honestly, but he, I mean, you know, still pretty solid 31 for 47, 338 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. He got sacked three times though. Um, yeah, he finished with an EPA of 5.59. So he had a pretty solid game, but you know, you look at Andrew Peasley's numbers. He was not, I would say at all, like very good at all through the air, to be honest with you, 18 to 34, 149 yards, two touchdowns. He got sacked twice and he was getting a little, he was living a little dangerously. Uh, I thought for sure after one of those hits uh, through the, uh, in the second quarter, if I remember correctly, I thought, I thought his night was done. I thought he was, uh, 
He was done for the night. I thought he was going to go out with a concussion or something like that. I thought his day, his day was done, um, but he came back a heroic effort. He also 12 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown as well. He was fantastic on the ground. He was okay through the ground, uh, through the air. Um, and I, I thought for sure, once he went down uh, in the first quarter, I thought that was it. I thought he was, he was out for the rest of the game and they were 13 and a half point dogs. I mean, this is not like it was just a, a you know, a poo poo type of upset, you know, just uh, whatever they can do that all the time. This is a big upset. Uh, 13 and a half point underdogs is the biggest upset um, since in terms of spread uh, the, the line at the, before kickoff was 13 and a half. So that's the biggest upset for the Cowboys since 2019 when they beat Missouri at home, similar situation. Um, and they, I think they were 15 point dogs in that game before that one started. And that was an SEC school. That one was probably, I mean, just going off of spread as well. That one was probably a little bit more impressive because again, SEC school, you expect a lot of Missouri just being an SEC school. It's got some history there as well. Um, but Texas tech again, I, I said during the ha- uh, halftime show, I thought they were going to be able to really throw the ball a lot more effectively than they did. And you got to tip your cap to Craig Ball as well and just the entire defensive staff on the Cowboys because they really found a way to slow down this offense because the Red Raiders, they love to go at a million miles an hour on offense, just score as quickly as possible, get to no huddle as quickly as possible and just go down the field as quickly and as fast as they can. And uh, Craig Ball was basically subbing people out uh, whenever Texas Tech was subbing people out, which caused them to have to put a pause in the game essentially to let the people get off. And he was having players essentially jog or essentially walk to the sideline just to slow the game down. And it worked really well. I mean, they looked like so Texas tech. It looked like they were completely out of rhythm through, especially the second half. Um, and you know, they were able to capitalize on that interesting rule. To be honest with you, I didn't realize how much of an effect that rule really has that they can use it. A, a, can, if they can use it effectively like that, where you just, have some have one of your players once text because Texas Tech they're not going to be able to keep all their guys out there if they're trying to run this no huddle high speed offense you got to sub out some some offensive linemen some wide receivers you know every now and again during those drives and you know bowl and the coaching staff they saw whenever somebody was going out they would sub some, one of their guys out and their defense is just I mean pretty deep to be honest with you uh, just top to bottom a pretty solid defense so there's not a huge drop off uh, when one player goes out versus the other and um, yeah, it was just a very effective way to kind of slow down that offense. And they're not exactly, I mean, clearly they were not exactly effective when they were slowing down, uh, when they had to slow down and uh, not play at the pace that they had desired. And it worked really well. I was very impressed with the game plan they came out with. Again, through uh, for the first eight minutes of the game, I thought it was over. I thought there's no shot they're coming back from. Because, yeah, again, we there was no, there was no reason to believe that the Cowboys were going to be able to do that. Uh, you know, they had not been a prolific offense in terms of, being able to come back down from games like that. You know, they don't have a very prestigious air offense. I mean, they don't have a prestigious air offense. They're very much a run heavy team, uh, but you know, they got stops where they needed to. The defense played really well. They got turnovers where they needed to. They forced punts where they needed to. They got some help from uh, some missed field goals, which was very nice, putting them in pretty good field position. Um, So just an overall, these are, those are the games like situations like that are the, are the, your missed field goals, your turnover on downs, you know, those funky little areas that lead to upsets like this, where you get, you know, a negative 7.17 EPA field goal EPA missed three field goals for Texas Texas Tech misses three field goals. And then all of a sudden you find yourself uh, in double overtime with a chance to win the game. And then those are the moments you can look back on and be like, yeah, that was, that was a game changer. That was uh that, uh, that caused them to lose the game for sure. Um, but yeah, it was cool. I was very impressed. I was very impressed. And again, looking back at their schedule, I didn't think they were going to win any of their non-conference games. I thought they were going to lose Texas Tech. I thought they were going to lose to Appalachian State. And I thought they were going to lose to Texas. And they have a pretty brutal stretch through the month of October. Um, and I thought it was going to end up, you know, them being about five and seven towards the end of the year. But now at this point, I think they can beat Appalachian State with this team. If Andrew Peasley can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy enough, I guess, uh, to play that whole Appalachian State game, then I think they have a chance. And again, you know, and if everybody stays healthy on defense as well, I think they'll have a chance on pretty much every game that they play this year uh, for the most part, uh, but the Appalachian state game for sure. And you know, it's not like he was um, him being Andrew Pisa. I don't think he was overwhelmingly good by any means. I think he was pretty okay. He just kept him in the game for the most part, uh, especially with his legs. He was very effective on the ground, not necessarily through the air, like I said, but you know, if he's able to just do that, just be okay. If he's able to be just okay. Very middle of the pack. Okay. 
they could be pretty good. I think they could win, you know, seven or eight games if they really wanted to. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, Texas, I still think Texas is, you're right, that's a big ask. But, you know, they got a lot of momentum going into that game. And, um, you know, who knows? We could see them pull it off. I, I, I would be stunned, honestly. I would be stunned. Um, but I wouldn't be stunned to see them in it because I do think their defense is good enough to keep them in um, a lot of games moving forward. And if they can figure out the the run game situation, who's going to be their number one back uh, because they've had some issues, injuries there, uh, and they were basically running through a bunch of rotation of guys because of fumbles, uh, some injuries and stuff like that. And if they can figure that out, then, you know, who knows where they can go. I, Texas definitely feels like a long shot. Let me, let me be very clear. I don't think they're going to beat Texas, okay? I'm not saying that by any means. Um, but I wouldn't be stunned to see them in that game and at least very competitive. Uh, I do think they'll beat Appalachian state after what I just saw, but you know, who knows, honestly, cause we've seen Texas or we've seen Wyoming, you know, do this before they've had a really good win and then followed up with a, a pretty big stinker. Like that's, you know, that's happened before, but this one I was very impressed. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm very impressed. I think I did not think they were going to be able to beat this Texas tech team. I thought they were going to play tech was going to play a lot better, but lo and behold, here we are tech walks home by the way tech has to play um they have to play oregon next too so that's probably zero and two to start the season and then tech has a lot of questions going on uh, around lubbock um but wyoming who knows where they're gonna be let's say i'm excited to find out i'm excited to see this wyoming team play excited to see this defense play because they are very they're good man that's a very good defense it's gonna be one of the better and you know i'm not i'm not trying trying not to be prisoner of the moment um, but that defense come the end of the season, if they keep growing into themselves, you know, begin to trust each other a little bit more. They have a lot of experience on that defense. I think they could be one of the, be- the better defenses in the entire country come season's end. Hello, my friends and fellow confidants. It is time now to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors, Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Now, look, I may have a bit of a hot take here, to be honest with you. I think there is no better way to watch a game of football, especially professional football, maybe even college football, than the comfort of your own home with your big TV, your own personal snacks. You know, you don't have to go to the concession stand to get a $9 hot dog paired with a $7.5 water. No, you can have your own water. You can make your own hot dogs at home and you can just sit there on your couch and watch football. You can't do any of that, though, without a home to do it in. And Jack and Kathleen Wood are the people to do it with at 307 Real Estate. They can help you at both buy and sell property that you are looking to list or purchase in the Sheridan area and beyond. They have been part of this community since 2004 when they first moved here. And ever since, they have been working to better the community and make it a more beautiful place to live. They are both ambassadors with the Chamber of Commerce, so they know this community like the back of their hand. So they are the people that you're going to want to talk to for all of your real estate needs, whether it be buying or selling. You've all heard the slogan, call Jack, get ready to pack. And you can call Jack at 307-763-1249 or Kathleen at 307-461-7203. That's Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Big thank you to them for sponsoring the show. Okay, let's move on to the more national scene that we got throughout the week, uh, throughout the weekend. These last few days, man, Saturday through Monday, all college football, that was a good weekend. Um, we're going to do some winners and losers of the weekend. How about that? That's how we're going to kind of break it down a little bit. Um, we're going to start with our winners, obviously. The winners, I mean, there's only one number one winner of the weekend, and I think it's pretty obvious to anybody that was near a television this weekend. It was Colorado and Deion Sanders. They... Uh, we're basically thrown to the side. I mean, I think a lot of people were expecting this team to kind of be, I don't want to say a, not necessarily a joke, but, um, you know, they were coming off a one and 11 season. They were talking a lot of talk, you know, they, because I mean, it's Deion Sanders and it's a Deion Sanders team. They're going to talk a lot of guff, you know, and that's what they do. And I got nothing against that, obviously. Um, but we had yet, we had to see them back it up and guess what? They go into TCU, a very difficult place to play in TCU. Um, and they upset, the TCU Horn Frogs. They had uh, legitimately uh, one of the better quarterback performances I've seen in recent memory. Shadur Sanders, Deion Sanders' son. Uh, he looks like he could be a very legitimate Heisman candidate if he continues to go out there and play like he did uh, in that game. Thirty-nine for forty-eight, five hundred and twenty-nine yards and four touchdowns. Uh, he did get sacked four times, but he was unbelievable in this game. I was stunned to see how effective. I, I can't believe I couldn't believe how good he was, and not just that, how much uh, how easily he was able to kind of 
bridged the gap from playing at Jackson State, an FCS school, to Colorado, playing at Colorado versus TCU, a team that was in the national championship last year, and he just made it look like it was nothing, like it was the easiest thing he could have possibly done. Um, throwing for 530 yards against a team, granted, a different team, but a team that was in the national championship game last year um, and throttled Michigan in the semifinal. He just went up there, coming from Jackson State, said, hey, let me toss up 530 yards and four touchdowns on the road at a very difficult place to play against the defending runner-up um, in the college football national championship. Just an unbelievable showing from him. And then Travis Hunter was unreal. He had 11 receptions, 119 yards, and then he was on defense. He played both sides of the football. It was like it was high school. He was playing wide receiver, and he was playing cornerback, uh, and he was he had 11 catches for 119 yards, didn't have any touchdowns, but then he had an interception on defense as well. He was unbelievable. Uh, this team is going to be... I don't know how much further down the line this team, like what the overall, I think a lot of people were expecting. I think the final line for wins was three and a half. I think they're going to easily get that from what I saw. And with a, a guy like Shadur Sanders, if he's going to play like that every single game, I mean, they're going to be in every single game that they're going to play in Um, they They can't stop anybody to be honest from what I saw. Um, You know, their defense was not, uh, not great. It was not very good. Uh, they were helped out a little bit by, you know, uh, TCU really shot themselves in the foot a couple times. They had a penalty EPA of minus 9.62. TCU did. Uh, they had a couple turnovers as well. So and they were helped a little bit. They had some good interceptions and stuff, some turnovers that really helped them, uh, that helped Colorado and their defense get off the field. A uh, goal line interception, two goal line interceptions, actually, uh, that helped Colorado, or not goal line, red zone interceptions is what I should call them, uh, that helped Colorado get off the field. And yeah, I just don't think... They don't have the defense that I think is going to really put them up there with the best of the best, obviously. But this is a top 25 team, I think, for sure, uh, especially with that offense. Travis Hunter Travis Hunter just played like 119 snaps in a, in a football game, which is in college, which is absurd. And he had still, I mean, he was still had enough energy to go dance in the locker room like it was nothing. And just an unbelievable game from him. Shooter Sanders, like I said, an unbelievable game from him. And Deion Sanders, man, he, he gets... He goes to Colorado. Everybody thinks it's kind of a, you know, it's all all talk, no, nothing to back it up. And, you know, again, three and a half wins was the line for this team heading into the season. And nobody really thought that they were actually going to be able to do anything in the Pac-12. And you look at like the start of their season and it's a, it's brutal uh, in terms of the matchups. And we were looking at it at the beginning of the season. We were like, they can win. um you know, three or four or five of these games at the start of the season, or not, they would lose three or four or five of these games at the start of the season. It was TCU. We, everybody thought that was going to be a loss. Nebraska, maybe a win. Colorado state was going to be a win, uh, but then they play Oregon. Everybody thought that was going to be a loss. They, and then they play USC after that. Everybody thought that was going to be a loss. So um, now you look back on all those and you're like, well, I mean, with the offense that we just saw them produce, they finished the game with a, an EPA of 29.46 and offensive EPA of 27.04. So their offensive EPA EPA accounted for basically all of their expected points added. Um, so, and, and you look at some of the, like I said, you look at some of those games now against Oregon, who knows? I mean, I think Colorado can run with Oregon in terms of going with them, you know, blow for blow essentially um, with, from what I saw in, in the TCU game. Uh, and I think USC, that game becomes a lot more interesting as well. That game might end 65 to 62 or something because neither of those defenses will be able to stop one another. Um, and it'll just be a basketball score by the end of the game. Um, but it, it was it was cool to see Dion. I mean, Dion is clearly, he has a lot of pride in this team. And he actually, you know, he really believes in what he's doing, obviously, uh, which is, you know, I, you want that from a head coach, obviously. And it's really cool to see that a lot of these kids, he just brought them over like 53 kids to the transfer portal or something like that. Brought him over, had said, "Hey, we're gonna win. I'm gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna coach you guys up. Everybody's gonna coach you guys up, and nobody's gonna believe in us. And guess what? We're just gonna go out and win the first game of the season against the runner-up from last week or from last season. Just a, I've never seen a, and already like they could go, they could go, still hit three and nine or whatever. And this first weekend was, I think, a pretty resounding success for Deion Sanders and uh, and Colorado. I think they're now. I mean, the the funny thing is, like Deion Sanders." Probably, probably the second most popular head coach in all of college football behind Nick Saban. Like you, it, you in the Aflac ads, you see Nick Saban and Deion Sanders. You don't see Nick Saban and Brian Kelly. You don't see Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. It's not Nick Saban and Ryan Day. You know, it's Nick Saban, Deion Sanders. So 
Uh, and, you know, he didn't have, I mean, he was a decent, he was a pretty good coach at Jackson State, but he didn't really have anything to outside of that other than his playing career and being one of the most, um, you know, uh, noisy in, ter- in a good way. And I'm not saying that in a bad way anyway, in, at all. I think he's one of the most influential players in the history of just football in general because he was really not necessarily the first, but one of the first in the 90s to be the guy that is bash, uh, you know, abashed, boastful, and he was able to back it up entirely. Probably the greatest cornerback in the history of the game, um, and he's still doing that to this day. And I think it's it's a cool thing to see. It's cool to see coaches have a genuine personality that kind of goes along with their teammates. We see so much of just coach speak. You know, they're putting on a different a different pedestal than their players. And then they're for the most part, and for the most part, they're pretty boring. But for him, for Deion Sanders, it just feels like, uh, you know, he's one of the guys, you know what I mean? He can connect with a lot of the guys that are in that locker room. Uh, and he's just one of the dudes, you know what I mean? He looks like, he still looks like, I mean, he's had some procedures on his legs and his foot. Cause it's really his playing career cost him literal toes off of his feet. Uh, but he, he looks like he could still go out there and, and play with some of the guys, you know, and it's cool to see a guy like him with a lot of personality really have it all pay off uh, in a game like that against TCU and really just, you know, silence a lot of the doubters. He looks like he's going to be able to coach this team to at the very least a winning record um, or a bowl game. I'll say at the very least a bowl game. I, I can see them getting to six wins. Um, you know, uh, there's a couple games in there, Oregon, USC, those games are going to be pretty tough. Even Oregon state's going to be pretty tough given what we've seen, uh, this past week. And then, uh, they play Utah at the very end of the year. There's going to be some tough matchups in there, but I do think they can at the very least get to a bowl game, maybe even have a winning record by the end of the season, um, with the offense that they have and the quarterback they have in Shadur Sanders. And then Travis Hunter is going to be all over the field. It seems like, um, but they're going to need, you know, turnovers from Travis Hunter, obviously, in order to get the offense back on that field. Because what I've also seen from that TCU game is, you know, they can't really stop anybody. And um, you can't also brush aside, you know, both can be true that, uh, you know, Colorado surprised everybody this weekend, pulled off a huge upset, um, really announced themselves on the scene. But you can also, what can also be true is TCU is going to have a, in my opinion, I think a very quick and rapid descent back to earth this season. Uh, they lost a ton of production on their team. Most of their off, I think they returned three starters on their offense uh, from their team that went to the national championship just a year ago. So I think they're going to have a pretty steep fall back to earth. Um, and I don't think they're just in general going to be very good this season at all. Like that team could be a sneaky, you know, sub 500 team by the end of the season because of how much production they ended up losing on their team from last season. Um, but it's still, I mean, you know, you come into the season, you're expecting that team to be a little bit better towards the beginning of the season. And Colorado just goes in there and shows, Hey, we're the team that TCU was last year, essentially. And it kind of felt like that. It felt like a, a handing off of the torch, uh, in team in terms of being the underdog that maybe pushes for, uh, you know, a, a winning record and a playoff spot, possibly if they can, you know, play their defense can develop a little bit more and not relying too heavily on turnovers. Um, who knows where this team can go? And, you know, a, a quarterback like him, like Shador Sanders and what he did yesterday, that goes well with essentially, you know, that, that can take you essentially everywhere in, uh, in the game of college football. So it'll be interesting to see. It was cool to see Deion Sanders. Um, and you know, the, the athletic director for Colorado, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he, you know, embraced Deion and they took a huge bet with him. They had they they spent the twenty eight million dollars that they didn't have, or twenty nine million dollars that they didn't have to go and get Deion Sanders because they knew um, that they were going to improve that program just in terms of fina- of a financial level. Like they sold out season tickets for the first time in fifteen years or something like that. Uh, they had donators donate. $28 million to pay for Deion Sanders' contract uh, to become the head coach at Colorado. So, you know, an athletic director like that makes a crazy, crazy, uh, a crazy guess, and it pays off. Um, and just in the first game, it's paid off so far. And we'll see how it goes down the line. But this first game, he's already essentially paid off, I think, a lot of what people were already expecting. I don't think, you know, they're, they're, he, I don't think he can go 1 and 11 and they'd be okay with it, obviously. But, I mean, this first weekend is already, you know, they're the talking point of all college or of all podcasts, sports podcasts, sports TV shows, debate shows, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they're the talking, the main talking point leading the story today. So it was cool to see that that um, that bet pay off for the athletic director at Colorado and Deion Sanders in general and Colorado in general as well. Um, let's move on. Another winner this weekend, Florida State. 
Uh, I was trying to tell, I was trying to tell y'all, I mean, that team is going to be very good. That team is going to be really good. LSU may be a little bit overrated to be honest with you, but I also think um, Florida State is just in general going to be a very, very good football team. I think they probably have one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league, uh, league in the entire country in Jordan Travis. He only 23 for 31, 342 yards, four touchdowns. He did get picked off once, but for the most part, he was very, very good throughout the day. Um, neither team could really run the ball at all. And I mean, in general, but it didn't really matter. There was really a gunslinging. Uh, it was just a, a gunslinging contest essentially in this game. Uh, and Florida state, man, they're going to be, they're going to be good. They're going to be a good football team. I would not be surprised to see them competing for both the ACC. I mean, at this point, this team, I think should be the favorite to win the ACC. I think I would be stunned to see, um, like Clemson be a favorite and we'll get to Clemson there in just a little bit. Um, I, I would be stunned to see if Clemson is still the favorite to win the MCC, the ACC or anybody else outside of Florida state to see, to win the ACC. I think Florida state, the clear favorite to win, uh, the ACC this year, I think it would be a, um, a disappointment if they didn't win, uh, their conference this year. Um, and they're just a good football team. LSU maybe a tad bit overrated, um, just because it's, you know, SEC school, they were pretty good last year. Um, and they were returning a quarterback as well. So, you know, Brian Kelly also there. So, you know, you kind of expect them to be as pretty solid, uh, a pretty, pretty solid club as well. But, you know, maybe a little bit, maybe tad bit overrated in my opinion. Um, moving on Florida state, obviously a winner of this weekend. Great weekend for them. They're going to be a very good football team for the rest of the season. Another team. Pretty heavy ACC weekend, uh, in terms of winners, I think, uh, Duke, how about Duke, huh? Football school. Not really, but could be football school. Duke. How about Duke? Huh? They go in first time. They're going to beat Clemson since what was it? 2004 or something like that. 28 to seven. They down Clemson. Uh, this was going to be up there in the poo poo garbage. No good sicko game of the week. Uh, it was not a very good game through most of this. And then they got into the fourth quarter. Duke started to play a little bit better. Clemson, man. Oh my God. Ugh. Clemson. Yikers. They're, they're going to be in one of the losers for the week. We're going to connect all of these uh, Duke, the next one, and then Clemson all together into one, essentially. But Duke, they're another team that could be have a legitimate shot at trying to win the ACC as well. They're not better than Florida State, but they could win uh, a couple, sneak up and surprise a couple people with, um, I mean, and they're not necessarily, they didn't really impress me on offense by any means, obviously, but their defense was pretty solid last night. They really slowed down Clemson. Again, that could be just, you know, Clemson being Clemson because it's, you know, they're just Clemson's not a good offense. I mean, they're, I just don't think and for whatever reason they brought in, uh, well, we'll talk about Clemson here in a little bit, but, uh, you know, D, that maybe their defense, Duke's defense was playing out playing, um, maybe playing better than they are. If that makes sense because of the offense they were playing. Um, but we'll see. I, I do think that is a, uh, that is a team to kind of keep an eye out for in the ACC. Duke might surprise some people this year. I would be, uh, I would be surprised if they finished anything lower than third in the ACC because I mean, a, a lot of these teams in the ACC, they're not the best, I guess, or there's not really a lot there to really make me feel like I'm going to have confidence to pick them above Duke. I mean, Duke just play. I mean, Duke, I was impressed with Duke. I thought they played pretty well. They really slowed down uh, Clemson for the most part in that entire game. Um, but Duke, you know, you got Florida state who I think is going to win it. And, th and there's no divisions anymore in the ACC either. So that's a little bit confusing, but it's the top two teams going to the championship game. I wouldn't be stunned to see Florida state playing Duke in the ACC championship game. I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, North Carolina is pretty good as well. Miami, who knows they could bounce back. I mean, you know, that's a big if, but who knows? Um, but yeah, I think Florida state and Duke are probably the, the ones I would expect to see at the end of the year. Um, in the ACC championship game, given what we saw yesterday. Uh, the other winner, the last winner that I have here today, other than Wyoming, obviously, but that was kind of, you know, kind of obvious. Uh, but the last winner of the weekend, uh, DJ Youngle. Dude, what a, honestly, a heads up play by DJ Youngle. For those who don't know, those who don't know, DJ Youngle, he was the former quarterback at Clemson University. Uh, he really kind of had a a bad first season at at Clemson. Uh, I think it was technically his second season, but he was sitting the first season, if I remember correctly, something like that. Uh, but it was his last year was his first full year as the starter at Clemson, and it did not go very well. He got benched like halfway through the ACC championship game, and then um, the 
the, the quarterback for Clemson now, whose name I can't remember, even though we saw him yesterday, uh, he came in, ended up winning the game essentially for Clemson, getting the ACC championship um, player of the game, MVP, and then Youngle basically lost his job right then and there. Um, but DJ Youngle, he transferred, he went to Oregon State, and boy, oh boy, was that the right move for DJ Youngle. Um, he's praising, he was, he's on his hands and knees, he is praising the Lord that he got out of Clemson. Uh, because that offense is a complete disaster. It is disgusting to watch. Uh, and the moment DJ goes to another school, he went to Oregon State. And lo and behold, he's actually a good quarterback. And then, you know, this is one game in. But from what we saw in that first game, I was impressed. 20 for 25, 239 yards, three touchdowns through the air. And they had eight. And then he had uh, five carries, 17 yards, two touchdowns on the ground as well. Just a very solid game from DJ Youngle. Uh, he might surprise some people, turn some heads. This Oregon State team might turn some heads just in general. They're going to have a pretty solid defense as well uh, in their offense. So DJ Youngle figures something out, becomes the number one overall recruit that we thought he was going to be, then why not? Why not this Oregon State team? Why can't this Oregon State team make a run to the Pac 12 championship? I would not be surprised to see this team competing for a Pac 12 championship come. Uh, the end of the season. And if DJ Youngle is going to play like that, then they got a shot again. And again, quarterback, most important position in any sport. And if you have a good quarterback, you're going to be in essentially every single game. Uh, and if he's going to play like that, they're going to be in every single game. They can play with basically the best of the Pac-12 if he's going to play like that. Utah's maybe a little bit different. That team's very good uh, all the way through. I, you know, Utah's a very good team. Uh, and then, you know, USC, you have to kind of be able to slow down USC's offense, which is, you know, Good luck. Um, but, you know, for the most part, if he's going to play that way, then they have a shot in every single one of those games. And he is a big winner this weekend because he got out of Clemson because Clemson, yikers, they are a uh, they're a disaster. They're not very good. That's going to get us into our losers section of the week. Beautiful podcast listeners, James here. It is time to hear from another one of our sponsors, Alpine Climate Control. If you're a listener of mine, you know that Alpine Climate Control has been supporting the stuff that I do for a very long time, years now, and they are now officially sponsoring the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast as well. If you're looking for somebody to set up air conditioning systems, air conditioners, that sort of thing, Alpine Climate Control is the people to see. They also have air conditioning tune-ups. A good idea if your AC is not working properly, if it's not functioning properly, if you're standing in front of it, you're like, this should be a lot colder, and it's not, probably needs a tune-up. So check them out for all your air conditioning needs and AC tune-ups. They also have furnace systems and fireplace inserts. We are slowly approaching the fall months, and it is a good idea to get those things figured out and worked on now than as you enter the fall months. But they're creme de la creme the cream of their crop their specialty is their outdoor living spaces they've got seating fire pits lighting barbecue grills if you're somebody that's like likes a little backyard barbecue then they are the people to see to set you up that's alpine climate control stop by their showroom they're on coffee avenue just before sheridan college and a little bit after starbucks or go online to alpineclimatecontrol.com and you can see all of their offerings there as well that's alpineclimatecontrol.com and again big thank you to alpine climate control for sponsoring the program Clemson, the the biggest loser of the week, in my opinion, was Clemson. Uh, they not only got upset against Duke, their first loss to Duke, uh, a ranked Duke team since 2000, or excuse me, an unranked Duke team while they were ranked since 2004. Uh, and it wasn't just a, you know, slip and a fall and all of a sudden Duke wins the game, anything like that. No, 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 no. This Clemson team, uh, they're, they're going to be... I don't want to say bad, but probably mediocre if that's the team that they're putting out there, or at least the offense that they're putting out, out there. Their offense is bad. It is bad. If you didn't watch the game last night, uh, you, well, you're lucky because yeah, that was, it was not a good game. Like I said, it was up there in the rankings. Uh, I thought it was, it, I was thinking about picking it for the poo poo, no good garbage game of the week, but you know, uh, towards the end, Duke started putting some things together. We hit some big plays towards the end as well um, that, you know, kept it out of the poo poo garbage, no good game of the week, but it was no good for Clemson because they were a complete disaster. They were awful on offense. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't get anything going on offense. They uh, they went down the field in the second half. Here's my stat of the day. The second half, they had six drives in the second half. They had six drives, six total drives in the second half. None of them ended in points, and none of them ended in a punt. Six drives, no points, and not a punt. So they missed a field goal. They fumbled. They fumbled turnover on downs, an interception, and then a turnover on downs. That was the second half offense for the Clemson Tigers. This is going to be a very rough year for the Clemson Tigers if this is the offense that they're going to put up. 
And I don't believe it should be the offense that they're putting up. They have Garrett Riley as their offensive coordinator. Garrett Riley, as you can make the guess, he is the brother of Lincoln Riley, who is the head coach at USC, has had numerous unbelievable offenses, put together two Heisman Trophy, three Heisman Trophy winners um, at two different schools. You know, one a fantastic offensive game planner, yada, yada, yada. You all know Lincoln Riley. And I cannot believe, I do not, I refuse to believe that Garrett Riley, as the brother of Lincoln Riley, is has fallen f- that far from the rest of the tree. So, recklessly speculating. There's something going on there. There's something going on there. I think maybe Garrett Riley doesn't have the full control of the offense. Somebody in there, whether it be Dabo Sweeney or there's like a co-offensive coordinator that isn't necessarily named or whatever is getting in there and kind of fudging up the just messing around with the offense, even though Garrett Riley runs to run it a different way. I don't know. I'm that's me recklessly speculating. I'm not a hundred percent sure. A hundred percent sure because there's no way a, a Riley led offense, not Lincoln Riley, but Garrett Riley. There's no way that the, the 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 apple has fallen that far from the tree. They finished with a negative 17.92 offensive EPA. They were god-awful on offense. They were just not fun to watch at all. They were terrible. Made me want to throw up every time I see them. I saw them have the ball. Um, their skill position players were not very good. They didn't have a lot of wide receivers that impressed anybody, just in general. Uh, and, you know, they have Will Shipley, who is their running back. He's going to be pretty good. Uh, and, you know, just in general, he's going to be kind of their utility man he's essentially a running back but he can you know play out in the flats and stuff like that he catch passes as well but they were just chad klubnik who is the quarterback for clemson uh he finished the day he threw the ball 43 times 43 times he threw the football guess how many yards he had on the day take a quick guess i'll let you get a second he had 209 yards 27 completions 209 yards that's not very good. That's uh, that's pretty bad. That's a negative of 0.22 EPA per play and 5.88 yards per play. Granted, Duke's offense wasn't much better. You know they weren't uh, weren't that better. To, weren't that much better either. Riley Leonard, 17 for 33, 175 yards, but they had you know he had eight carries for 98 yards on the ground as well. He was a little bit a little bit more effective on the ground. Um, but yeah, I mean this Clemson, wow, 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 wow. Because their defense is going to be good. I mean, it's Clemson. You expect their defense to be pretty solid year in, year out at this point. But their offense, man, wow. And it only adds to the legacy, in my opinion. If this is what Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence were working with at the time, man, I mean, how good must have they have must they have been during during that time? Because from what I saw, if that is the offense that they were essentially running with and they got to national championships with that offense and won national championships with that offense, they're they're up there with some of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen because that would be unbelievable. That was uh that was bad. That was uh it was not fun to watch necessarily up there with the poo-poo garbage, no good game of the week, but it it paid off in the end for Duke. I mean, they they did it. It was gonna be my it was gonna be my shoe in, but they didn't. I mean they, they got out of it. They got out of the poo-poo garbage. No good game of the week. And, you know, they won the game. Shout out to Duke. Clemson, man. I don't know what to expect from them either, just in general. ACC is going to be pretty tough on them this year, I think. Uh, it's a little bit more stacked, if you will, than in previous years, uh, just from top to bottom. Florida State, Miami should be better. Uh, North Carolina should be better. Well, not actually, North Carolina should be better. It should be right about there. You know, so North Carolina should kind of reload a little bit. Um, but, again, Duke is going to be pretty solid this season, so... So Clemson, Clemson might have a little something to be nervous about. Uh, all right, moving on. We're going to look at, oh, this is a good one. Just generally, most of the state of Texas, just generally. Texas won. They beat Rice. It was a little nervous there. It was a little, little, little slow there at the beginning, but they ended up pulling away against Rice. Against Rice. Um, but the rest of the most of the state of Texas, it was a tough weekend. Uh, Texas Tech loses. Baylor loses. TCU, they all lost. Uh, Baylor specifically. Let's talk about Baylor for a second. This is a team that I think a lot of people expected to gradually grow and become better, especially with a guy like Dave Aranda at the helm. Uh, He came over from, I think it was LSU, if I remember correctly. He was the defensive coordinator at LSU, if I remember right. Uh, Came in 2020. You you can't even really count that season, to be honest with you, but we'll put it in there. Two and seven, you know, he got handed the the keys to the car, but the car was kind of losing its wheels and stuff already. You know, it was like, okay, we have to kind of all repair this. And then the next season, 12 and two, they win the Big 12 championship. All looks like it's right in the world to beat Ole Miss in the uh, in the Sugar Bowl. And then the year after, high expectations going into the season. They were preseason ranked number 10. Going into the week after week one, they were ranked ninth. Some high expectations for this team. And then they lose at BYU. And that was a bad loss. 
get two in a row and then they lose two in a row and then it just sputters out of control at the end of the season. They lose to Kansas State, lose to TCU, lose to Texas, all uh, some pretty close games at Kansas State was or uh, versus Kansas State was pretty bad. But still, you get my point. Kind of, you know, sputtered out of control towards the end of the season. They end the season losing four in a row. Uh, and then this year, last year, they took on Texas State. They beat Texas State 42 to seven uh, last season. And then this year they take on Texas State and Texas State beats them, beats Baylor um, at Baylor as well. And it's not like it's not like it was, you know, a couple, you know, lucky plays here and there. Of course, with every upset, you expect some luck, you know, here and there, obviously. But it wasn't all luck. You know what I mean? In terms of EPA, Texas State actually outplayed Baylor. Uh, in offensive EPA, they had 11.21 EPA on offense. Baylor had a 3.54 offensive EPA, which is overall more efficient on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, TJ Finley for Texas State, he had a day and a half, a day and a half, 22 for 30, 298 yards, three touchdowns, only got sacked once. Uh, he had a pretty good day. That was a, That's a pretty good day for TJ Finley. Um did lose a fumble or no, he fumbled, did not lose it uh, when he was running the football, but overall pretty solid day for TJ Finley and Baylor, man. Uh, like, where do you even go from here? I guess, you know, we've seen teams lose their first game, turn it all the way around and, you know, can rattle off nine or 10 in a row or whatever. But man, that's a at home against Texas state. That's a game you should win. And then you're giving up 42 points to Texas state. That's a tough start to the season. Um, and I don't really know where Baylor goes from here. I just think it's, you know, just win the next one at this point, essentially. That's pretty much all they're going to be thinking about is just win the next game. If you're Baylor, because starting out 0-1 against Texas State, that is, uh, that's a tough start to the season. Not to mention, they're playing uh, Utah next week. So you're staring down the barrel of 0-2 if you're Baylor and then they play Liberty, I think LIU and that might not be Liberty. I don't think that is Liberty, but it's a, another smaller school. They're playing in week three. That should be a win. And then they play Texas in week four. So an unbelievably difficult start to the season for Baylor. Uh, they should have been, you know, seemingly two and two to start the season. But now you're again, you're staring one and three down the barrel with Utah and Texas coming up as well. Um, so could be a very, a very long season for uh, for for Baylor. If this is uh, what we uh, are are expecting to see from them, um, but who knows? Who knows with Baylor? Again, you could lose that game, and then they just rattle off you know nine or ten in a row. That's the great thing about college football; it can all flip right on its head at the very beginning of the year, and then they flip it all back around. That's just it's college football, man. Uh, but yeah, most of the state of Texas just a disaster, just a a disastrous weekend for them. Other than Texas, they won their game. Texas Tech lost. Baylor lost, TCU all lost, just a mess of a weekend for the entire state of Texas. Um, finally, our last loser of the day, Florida, man. Uh, yeah, Florida was bad too. Florida, Florida, they should have left. Uh, they should have left. They should have left Billy Napier in Salt Lake City. I'm going to say that. I, I think it's time for Florida. I don't think, you know, I'm being kind of sarcastic. I don't think you should fire your head coach one game into the season. But from what we saw in that game, that that team is not going to be very good either. There is no reason to believe that they're going to get, you know, they're they're not getting any easier matchups in the SEC. You'll have some, you know, Vanderbilt's here and there or whatever. But Vandy, I mean, Vandy's not going to be terrible this year either. They look like they're going to be a little bit better than usual. So who knows? Um, But again, I mean, you you have some walk in the parks in in the SEC, not very often. And they'll probably sneak in some upsets here and there because I don't think Florida, for the most part, looking at their schedule, um, is going to be favorites in a lot of these games after what we've seen through that first game. They're going to play Tennessee at home. That's a, They're not favored in that game. They're going to play Connecticut, or Connecticut, sorry, excuse me, Kentucky. They'll probably be favored in that game. That should be a win. Vanderbilt at Florida, that should be favored and a win. South Carolina, that one could be a, a toss-up. Uh, honestly, I have no idea what to expect from that game. From what we've seen in South Carolina, South Carolina's offensive line is is terrible. Um, and Florida, no idea. No idea what to expect from that team. Then they play Georgia, not going to be favored, and they're going to lose that game. Arkansas could be a toss-up there as well. LSU, probably not going to be favored in that game. Missouri, probably going to be favored in that game on the road. And then FSU, not going to be favored in that game. So you could see... Uh, I could see Florida, you know, going for the rest of the season, going six and seven for the rest of the season, maybe seven and six, sneak one out, maybe an eight and five. I don't think you could see them going above an eight and five at this point, just because of what we've seen from that offense uh, against Utah. It was it was just it felt like when Utah went up two scores, that game was 
entirely over. Uh, that game felt like it was not close, uh, even though it was 24 to 11. Utah's offense was not necessarily very impressive either, but they were playing their backup quarterback. Uh, Cameron Rising was hurt, so that was not even their best quarterback that was playing or their, their best quarterbacks that were playing because they were playing multiple. Um, and in the end, Utah just, I mean... Man, that was Florida's uh, Florida fans I mean, be a little bit nervous. I'll be uh, I'll be honest with you. I'd be a little bit nervous because this does not look like it's going to be a very easy season for them to uh, to get through. And then by the end of the season, if they are if they are seven and five or whatever it is, eight and four or whatever it is towards the end of the season, I would be stunned, stunned if they brought back Billy Napier. I think this is this is the hot seat season for Billy Napier. Um, but we'll see Florida again, one of the cornerstones of college football. But that was. That was not a good game for them and not a good look for all of, you know, Florida football just in general because Utah just, you know, a new season just kind of wiped the floor with Florida. Even though it was a 24 to 11 football game, Utah basically had command of that entire game through all the way, basically from the second, from the end of halftime on uh, essentially for the rest of the game. It felt like Utah was in control of that game. Um, all right. That is our winners and losers. Let's get to our uh, drum roll, please. I, you guys probably can't hear that. I'm drumming on the desk. Uh, our poo-poo garbage disgusting game of the week. Yes. Yes, it is. It is that time. We're going to keep doing that this for the rest of the season. Our poo-poo garbage game, dis- uh, disgusting game of the week. We're going to go through, pick our favorite game of the week, our actual good game of the week. Like that's, we'll have that one as well. But we're going to start off with the worst game of the week. The poo-poo garbage disgusting game of the week. And my nominee for that prestigious award was Sam Houston State versus BYU. If you weren't watching this game, ladies and gentlemen, boy, oh boy, uh, what a surprise. In true Provo, Utah fashion, Saturday night, another dull night. Uh, That was a little jab, you know what I mean? Not really, though. I'm just making jokes. Uh, They were terrible, though. The BYU, both teams, Sam Houston State, BYU, god-awful. One of the worst games. This might be one of the worst games of the entire season, to be honest with you. Neither team was good. Uh, Utah, or Sam Houston State and BYU, uh, Sam Houston State finished with 207 point or 207 yards. BYU finished with 285 yards. They had an EPA. Sam Houston State had a total EPA of negative 31.99. BYU had a negative 15.3. It was a disgusting game. Uh, I never want to watch it again, but I gladly watched it on Saturday because it was a late night game, and I was like, hey, you know what? I'm feeling a little late night gross, like garbage. You know, I you know how you'll sometimes get a midnight snack. This was my midnight snack. You know, I get a little midnight snack. BYU, Sam Houston State. It makes me feel gross, but hey, I'm watching football, so who cares? Uh, Keegan Schumacher uh, for Sam Houston State finished the day 18 for 33, 151 yards, three interceptions, a negative seven or negative 19.72 EPA just by himself. And then BYU, Kadon Slovis, a, a, a common name, a, a known name in college football. Everybody knows Kadon Slovis. 20 for 32, 145 yards. That's it. No touchdowns. Didn't have any or didn't have any interceptions or anything like that. He did run for two TDs, uh, but he had four carries, 10, 10 yards in total. So basically goal line touchdowns uh, on the day. But it was it was a disgusting game. Uh, a lot of not good football being played. There was one explosive play for each team, uh, according to uh, uh, to GameOnPaper.com, which you know goes through and checks all the EPAs and the explosive pay, the explosive plays on the day. Um, they had both teams had one explosive play. Uh, and it was one for Sam Houston State, and they had one explosive passing play, and BYU had one rushing explosive uh, uh, explosive play. So just a disaster of the game. Uh, really a disgusting display of football, and uh, I wouldn't have wanted it anywhere, any any way else. It was awesome. It was great. I love watching it. 14 to nothing, just a little a lot of hard-nosed, grindstone-type football that made me want to take a nap, but, you know, I was... I was sitting there watching it none all none nonetheless sitting there watching it no no problem like it was nothing uh, it was awesome it was great I can't wait for next week's I'll nominate one right now who I think is going to be the disgusting poo poo garbage game of the week for next week um, let me take a look at the score or at the schedule here oh man okay I didn't realize this was happening this upcoming weekend but I think I have my pick I believe um, I'm still scrolling through the schedule here but I don't know if any of these other games are going to going to change my mind off of what the what game I just saw that is happening this upcoming weekend. Uh, no, 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 none of these games. None of these games pique my interest in terms of poo poo garbage game of the week like the one that I just saw. And it is the classic. 
We never go a season without it, and they're almost always, these matchups are always almost poo-poo garbage game of the week material. It is Iowa versus at Iowa State. They're at Jack Trice Stadium in Ames, Iowa. This game has a chance to be just pure throw-up garbage. Uh, I'm expecting, just entirely guessing right now, they're playing the Cyclones. Uh, Iowa's playing the Cyclones. I'm expecting cloudy day. No, you know, it's going to be colder than usual for September, and it's just going to be some run-it-down-your-throat garbage football for about 40 minutes. Uh, and the total, the line for this game, the total, uh, the over-under for this game is 36.5, which, put that in perspective, in comparison, uh, the Alabama versus Texas game, that is also this weekend, a highly touted matchup for this weekend. Uh, the over-under for that game is uh, higher than this game, even though they're two f- pretty solid defenses going against one another. That one is at 56. So basically a 20 point difference in terms of over under um, uh, in terms of a line of over under for this Iowa versus Iowa state game. Just when you turn on your TV before you get to this game, the poo poo garbage game of the week prediction uh, or preview, I expect it to be cloudy out, you know, maybe colder than usual. The winds going a little bit and it's just going to be, you know, no high flying offense whatsoever. Just, some garbage football where you're running, you know, halfback power by the the right tackle or whatever, pretty much for all 48 minutes of the football game. And then it ends. And the final score is like 17 to 10. That is what I'm expecting from this game because it's Iowa at Iowa state. That's all they know. And you know what? I love it. That's, that's what college football is all about, baby. You get Iowa, Iowa state 17 to 10 too cold for a September day. It's cloudy out. Maybe even a little bit of rain. Who knows? Maybe some snow. Probably not snow that's going to stick, but maybe snow blowing through the air, you know, uh, and that's what I expect when I turn on my television starts at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. So 1.30, it's going to be one. This is a primetime mid-afternoon nap game, by the way. Perfect primetime mid-afternoon nap game. Uh, so if you're going to put on a game to nap to, this is the one. This is your poo-poo garbage game of week two. And then once we come back next week, we'll look at the actual poo-poo garbage of the game of the week. Uh, but this is this is my prediction for the, uh, for the poo-poo garbage game of the week. Iowa and Iowa State, I'm... I'm excited to see that one not be any good whatsoever. Uh, our actual good game of the week from last week, obviously, I don't think anybody else is going to pick this one. Uh, pick other than this one. Maybe you could say Wyoming, Texas Tech, even though that game was kind of also a little bit gross, to be honest with you. Uh, but Colorado versus TCU, storylines around it, you know, it was just a ton of fun to watch. That was an actual good game. Uh, a lot of fun to watch as well. Uh, and an actual fun to watch. Not poo-poo garbage fun to watch. Just actually good football that was fun to watch. Throwing the ball downfield. You know, lots of yak and rack, you know, the whole thing, the whole nine yards. It was a fun game to watch. And all, of course, all the storylines off the field as well that uh, came with it with Deion Sanders and stuff coming in, winning his first game. That was a fun game to watch. Uh, This week's game of the week, I would imagine, I don't think anybody's going to go anything else other than Texas-Alabama. That's a huge matchup. Texas, it feels like, has a slight chance in this game. I don't think anybody played Alabama better outside of the two games they lost against uh, Tennessee and LSU. I don't think anybody played Alabama better than Texas did last year. That was um, as close to a loss that they that they got other than, you know, obviously Tennessee and LSU. But, you know, if I were to pick a team that played them as good as anybody, I would say Texas played them unbelievably well. But really, and that was at the beginning of the season. A lot changed throughout the rest of the season. Um, but again, that team, Texas, I was very impressed with what I saw Texas last year against this Alabama team. Now, granted, they're going to Alabama. That's a very difficult place to play. I can't remember the last time Alabama lost at home. And of course, uh, Nick Saban is literally one of the best college coaches of all time at playing uh, against people that were coaching under him. And Steve Sarkeesian, the head coach for uh, Texas, is somebody that coached under uh, Nick Saban. So, you know, I think he's like four, you know, something ridiculous, like 24 and two under former assistants or something ridiculous like that. So, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see Alabama win this one either. But again, Texas, I, I think, you know, this this will be their official check if they're actually back or not, you know, this will be the official check and see if they're back. Um, if they can hold, they can keep, you know, that game close. I think Alabama is only favored by seven in that game. Um, and if they can keep it, you know, under seven and, or even win, then obviously I think it's safe to say that they're, they're back. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we can say it that they're back. If they go into, go into, uh, uh, Alabama at Alabama and beat Alabama or even keep it close, keep the spread close, like sub seven, then I wouldn't, I would be confident in saying, okay, this is a very good, solid football team. I will say that they're back. Uh, all right. That's going to wrap up the show this week. We're going to get a little more football in next week as well. NFL. NFL is starting on Thursday. We're going to talk a lot of football. 
uh, just in general. We're just going to talk a lot of football in general. We're going to figure it all out. Uh, I want to wrap up the show by saying big old thank you. Big thank you for listening. I appreciate you guys so much. Uh, we're getting into the, the big part of the year, obviously, with football going on. So we're going to be talking a lot about football. I'm going to be getting I'm hoping you guys are all tuning in to the show and everything. Please remember to leave a rating uh, if you can on any of your podcasting platforms. I'd greatly appreciate that as well. Um, and uh, just tell your friends, word of mouth, you know, tell, tell your tell your buddies, James, doing a podcast. Give it a quick listen, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I would greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, for now, though, I want to thank you very much for tuning in to the Weekend Sports Rep podcast. But shout out to Alpine Climate Control and Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate, the sponsors of this program. Appreciate them very much. Uh, and that's going to wrap it up. You guys have been listening to the Weekend Sports Rep podcast. I've been your host, James Timberlake. <laughs>